Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 87 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, ladies and gentlemen, Limerick's favourite son, Sean Sheehan. How are we doing, Sean? Bonjour. Comment tu t'appelles? Je m'appelle Andrew. Ça va? Ça va bien. Et toi? Uh, ça va bien. Ah. Nice bit of French there to get us. For our, we a lot of French listeners tuning in, so to we our, said we had to... To our sprawling French listenership. Exactly, yeah. You Tom Duncan Juan, he's... And the gang listening in there. two trainers. Yeah. <laughs> bringing the total up to... Well, actually, no, we've, we've, two, we've a listener in France. Do I know that I know we have one at least, so that's I, I think it. we we actually have a couple. I think I, I've seen a few people from France and Belgium as well. We've one guy who lives in Belgium that listens. So they speak French there, don't they? Um, no, actually, Sean, in Belgium yeah. there's two dialects, right? I believe my dad works in my dad works in Belgium and has worked in Belgium and France. I mm. am going to Google it. I think it's Flemish. Possibly two languages in Belgium. There are them lads in. Uh, in um, mainland Europe, so everything anyway. So, so wait, actually, they speak uh, French. They speak Dutch, French, and German. Sean knows. But they're yeah, the Flemish speak Dutch, but do not consider themselves Dutch. And the Walloons speak French, but do not consider themselves French. By God, Belgium lessons here on the Severe May podcast, everyone. That's it. We're first of all, we're getting French lessons, Belgian culture lessons. The only lesson that you're missing, Sean, which is standard in the Severe MMA podcast, is a nutritional lesson. Oh, I wonder where would you find one of them. My God, I'm about to drop it here on the Severe MMA podcast. Do it. Good friends and sponsors of our podcast, the Severe MMA podcast. Podcast? <laughs> Did, you turn, <laughs> Did you turn into Niall McGrath that here for was, a second? Yeah, that was it. Niall McGrath here, talking <laughs> bros. <laughs> MMA. Mm. OrRestNutrition.com, Sean, for absolutely all of your supplementation needs. Sponsors and friends of the Severe MMA podcast, check out OrRestNutrition.com. If you are an aspiring mixed martial artist, if you are the next county star, if you think you're going to be a failed Ireland international, or maybe you think you're just going to end up in the League of Ireland, then ORS Nutrition has absolutely... Failed, failed footballer, so is it? Has <laughs> absolutely... Here, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not getting into a League of Ireland debacle here with oh, you, yeah, Sean. Oh, sorry, fuck. Come on, the town. I take it back. Head on over to ORSNutrition.com. They have absolutely everything to suit your need. They have um, all their products categorized by your sport, so they will recommend the best products that they feel you should be taking in order to bring yourself really, Sean, to that next level. If it's the sort of thing that you're looking towards recovery from training too much or overtraining, they've got you sorted there. If you're looking for new protein, if you need proteins, both whey and plant-based, they're over at orsnutrition.com. And if you're just a gym goer, you know, maybe you just want to work out, maybe you want to pump the guns, you know, curls for the girls, that sort of expression, Sean. Mm. Have I said that in the podcast before? Maybe I don't know I don't think so Excellent It mustn't have stuck out Well then OrsNutrition.com Has you covered as well You can find them on Facebook You can find them on Twitter You can find them on Instagram They're just a great Supplement company Sean And that's about I think that's a fair Sort of Exchange that I'm giving In knowledge wise here To the Severe MMA listeners It is in fairness It is it, But like it couldn't get any better Nah no way Or could, could it? it Could it Of course it could Sean Tell us Andrew So once you've Done your shopping 
online, you've put everything into the basket, you're about to check out. As we say every week, they also have a cool feature that after you've spent a certain amount, you're eligible for a free gift. So throw another thing in there because this is all going to make it worthwhile. Once you get to the enter the promo code section on the ORS Nutrition website, you just put in the capital letters SEVERE MMA, S-E-V-E-R-E, MMA for 25% of your very first order with ORSNutrition.com. What about much. that? That's too much. It I is bad. little, isn't it? You, like, the people should feel bad, like, that they're taking that much money off these poor people. It's bad, like, it's, it's too much. It's actually too much. It's bad for you. You have to go out and get it now immediately or it'll be gone. Gone before you know it. Exactly. And that's it. 25% off your first order at ORSNutrition.com using the discount code SEVEREMMA. They are massive fans, massive friends, sponsors of the Severe MMA podcast. They've, um, we get on quite well with them, Sean. You got yeah. your supplements. I got my supplements. We enjoyed them. I, t- I actually took some of my multivitamins there just before we started the podcast. Yeah, you know, to get me going. I'll keep me, you know, keep me in check for this podcast. So. I'm about to open a can of pre-workout. Nice. What was that Pepsi, was it? Coke. <laughs> but we're, we're finished with the healthy supplement part of the podcast <laughs> ORSNutrition.com ladies and gentlemen check them out stay fresh stay cool and that's pretty much it Sean 25% Refresh. off your first order with promo code severe ah, excellent so we never really got to have a bit of crack there how's things uh, not too bad how are you I'm f- hard you're working hard at the weekend like, like, my, like myself not yeah. really I'm yeah. absolutely shattered. I got uh, corrected by Jim Shevlin, friend of the podcast, sent us a tweet. It was actually 16 and a half hours that oh. I was working last night. My God. Which is... Uh, I had an even worse experience over the weekend. <laughs> oh, of course you did, Sean. Tell us about it. We had visitors to the house. Oh, nothing worse. Uh, and it, you know, they didn't leave till like half 12 at night. Like, what the fuck? Go away home. Come for half an hour. Have your cup of tea. Bring a few biscuits. Bring a few biscuits that we'll give you half of and then keep the rest for when you're gone. And then leave. Just go away. Nobody wants you sitting there for six hours chatting shit like. So I walked down the stairs this morning, Sean. Yeah. into Into the kitchen. And I was just awake. Looked like pulled through a bush backwards, you know, before I go through my extensive beauty regime in the morning to get ready for the day ahead. And we too had visitors. And do you know when they're the type of visitors that know exactly who you are and you yeah. could have met them oh, 10 or 15 times in your yeah. life, but you have no idea who they are, why they're in your house, what relation they are to you or their name. And they're yeah. like, well, Andrew, how's Conor McGregor doing? And I'm just <laughs> like, well, see you later, girls. <laughs> I have, yeah, that happens to me all the time. It's always like when I'm in Limerick City or something, in like a shopping center. They come up, oh, Sean, how are you? Fine, good. Mm -hmm. Uh, How slash who are you? Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. When you, when you, I I think that's a very Irish thing. You haven't a clue who any of your relations are. Yeah. Or you kind of half know them. You don't know which brother it is or which sister it is. Or if they're a cousin or an uncle. Yeah. That's, well, uncles are a little bit more clear cut, but you know the way you've got older cousins. Yeah. And when yeah. you were younger, you didn't know if there were co- uncles or cousins. Yeah, they're like 25 years older than you and, you know, you don't really know yeah. who they are. Yeah. So it's a, it's a terrible time, really, at the moment. I'm trying to think of uh, other other situations where that's you know, it's, happened. It's come up to Christmas now as well, so it's only going to get worse. Yeah, People I... People house on Christmas, bring, bring packets of sweets and biscuits and stuff. 
Foxes, tins, yeah. celebrations. USA biscuits. Yeah, oh, would you stop. What's your favorite biscuit? So in a USA biscuit tin, I really like their jammy Dodgers, to be honest. Not bad. Pink, I, pink wafers in my favorite. No, no. Pink wafers are too... They don't lack enough substance to be a proper biscuit. Here, uh, speaking of biscuits, I discovered this new biscuit today. I just saw it in the press there. Dad actually had got it for the visitor. Or maybe the visitors brought it. It's these chocolate drop things. Small little they're biscuits with uh, caramel in the middle. Oh my god, Sean, are the digestives? They're kind of half digestive. Hold on, let me. Yeah, no, they're they're definitely digestive packets. McVitie's have digestive packets now. They're like Maltesers, but they've got digestive biscuit in the middle of them. And you can get a caramel flavor, a milk chocolate flavor, a double, a dark chocolate flavor, or a mixture which has different flavors in the bag. Here's me eating it, listen. What? Mmm. Is it digestives? No, they're smaller. Can you see me? Are you, are you on the oh, camera? Oh, no, wait a minute. Have you got your camera on? Yeah. Oh, there. Yeah. Small little... Wait, uh, turn the other side around. That's like a what, digestive on the other side, is it? Yeah, kind of. Oh. Lovely. They I'll are delicious. The picture. I'll tweet a picture. Please delicious. do. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, that's a great start to the Severe mm. MMA podcast. Everyone up. tweet us your favorite biscuit. I have a... Yeah, I have a Twix beside me now. I... I go through periods of really liking a certain biscuit or bar and always getting it after work. And the one thing that really uh, worried me for a while was that my orders were always coming out the same color. And it yeah. happened to me the other night. I got a bottle of 7-Up, a packet of green hunky dories and a packet of fruit pastilles. And I looked like some OCD freak being handed three green <laughs> items. Like can of Coke, packet of chili heat wave Doritos and a packet of Maltesers. And you're the red guy. Yeah, the madness, right? Madness. And, uh, not even that. We've got something else. I'm trying to think. Pepsi, blue hunky dories, and blue M and M's. So, um, biscuits and OCD shopping aside, before we get into the nitty gritty of the mixed martial arts action of the weekend, we've uh, we ran a competition last week at the Severe MMA podcast about um, leaving us positive a positive review on iTunes. Well, not a positive, sorry, did I say that? A review on <laughs> iTunes, yes. and uh, you'd be entered into the draw for a Severe MMA t-shirt. So, we have a bit of bad news, unfortunately. <laughs> well, good news. Well, good news and bad news. Mm. We didn't, well, I didn't think it through, and we realized that we were in, we already had a good lot of reviews on iTunes already from when we had uh, did a shout out before on the podcast. Yeah. So a lot of people couldn't enter the, ter- the competition because uh, they had already left glowing positive reviews on iTunes before. So we felt that was unfair. So here's what we're going to do instead. I believe we've come up with a solution. Correct yes. me at any stage during this if I'm wrong. If you send us just a little note, do you know? Yeah. Same way with a question. Take a screenshot of it and tweet it to us. And are we retweeting everyone or favoriting everyone? No, just no. What, what are you lose? This is it. Okay. We'll pin, the, we'll pin the podcast to the severe at severe Mepod. If you retweet that, you're in for a chance to win the t-shirt. And all the people that, that we've got, like how many? There's a, there was a few people who left the reviews. They're in a, with a chance as well. Yeah, they're in with a chance to win as well. So if you've already left a review. Uh, in the last week, you're you're in the draw to win the T-shirt, and if you retweet the podcast between, say, what when it'll go up Tuesday, and uh, we'll say the UFC on Saturday night, you're also in with a chance of it. So Excellent. that's all you have to do: give it a retweet and one personal win. 
So um, kind of like one of those shitty tournaments or shitty competitions on the radio where if you win, you're only in the draw to win the holiday at the end of the week with five other people. No, you actually no, no, you actually do win it. We're only picking one person. That's it. Oh yeah, I know, but we're I, I, like I'm saying we're a good a good competition. No, I'm saying yeah. I don't like those sort of competitions on the yeah. radio. Yeah, those, like, audio, imagine, those audio only people are terrible, aren't they? Oh, stop! Like, imagine going through the hassle of winning a competition on the radio, only to be found out that you you haven't won anything. You're just in a draw and something that you might win that's yeah. not down to your own chance. Yeah, it's a lot of shit. You know, that's kind of like what? It's kind of like fighting Chris Cyborg. It really is. That's an excellent segue, Sean. Hello. Are you there, Sean? Oh yes. Sorry, I, you were gone. No, I said back. Sean. That was an excellent segue, and then I thought you had died from my compliment. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate uh, appreciate the segue. But yeah, um, Chris Cyborg fought this weekend, and look, it was it was a very Chris Cyborg type performance. Uh, she went in there. She dominated Lena Landsberg for. The whole fight. Landsberg was very tough. She was a lot tougher than... Well, not that she was a lot tougher than a lot of Chris Cyborg's opponents, but she could take a lot more damage than a lot of Chris Cyborg's opponents. Um, didn't really land anything. Didn't really give much back in terms of offense. But just survived and survived and survived until she couldn't survive anymore. And she succumbed to uh, to Chris Cyborg in the second round. Um, I suppose, look, before we get into the main topics, let's talk about Chris Cyborg. Because I don't think she gets enough credit for her fighting ability. And I, I think that's an important thing to, to talk about. I think she's a really... Oh, no, not again. Sean, are you there? Oh, yeah? Yeah, you you, you intermittently broke up there. Tell okay. us, Chris Cyborg is a really good fighter. She is, yeah. Her, like, for the best in the world, we don't usually see... Well, not that we don't usually see, but it's it's odd and it's special to have someone so exciting. You know, it's it's when you watch Chris Cyborg, it's you know it's like Mike Tyson back in the day. You're expecting a quick finish. You're expecting her to take someone out immediately and absolutely destroy him. That's not something you know we see a lot. Okay, we saw with, with Ronda Rousey, but that was kind of um, it was more of a short term thing, and it was well, not not that it was that short term of a thing, but Holly Holm quickly ended it. You know, but for Cyborg, her game. Is is not only one based on her size and her strength and everything. She's actually technically very good. Even if you just look at those, you remember at one stage in the fight, she landed like five kicks to the body of Landsberg. Like, like she was are, hitting fucking pads. Yeah, those were <laughs> perfectly drawn, just smashed into her. Like her pressure game, unbelievably good. Her clinch game, very, very good. And that's where Landsberg shines. You know, her she she's the one who throws all the elbows. When we were talking about her last week and we kind of singled that out, her clinch is the best. Cyborg just dominated her in the clinch, you know. Got her to the ground, dominated her on the ground and finished her up there. Just two things. See when you're comparing her maybe to the <clears throat> Ronda Rousey sort of dominance. I think hers has a much, much, much bigger weight on it because she's finishing people with strikes. Where Ronda had such a clear advantage over people by being an Olympian and then was using her judo and mixed martial arts and winning by submission. Am I am I onto so something there, maybe? So what you're saying basically there is Wonder Boy is better than Damian Maya. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> and I'm not one to discredit grappling. But I, I see where yeah, you're coming from with the cyborg uh, yeah. point of view. Another thing... 
that we alluded to on the podcast last week was that if Landsberg got into the position where she was able to lean on Cyborg against the cage, that she would just reverse it almost immediately. She would be far too strong for her. And she was. She was completely, like... It was so weird because Dominic Cruz... I don't want to say anything in this podcast because Dominic Cruz said virtually everything that you could say about this fight. And the battle of the overhooks and the underhooks against the cage, it's like, Lands- Landsberg, in my opinion, was fighting like someone who's like a six-month beginner holding on to someone to, you know, delay the inevitable. You know, I-, I felt there was a lot of stalling on her part. I don't think she was actually trying to actively escape out of many of Cyborg's, um, Cyborg's attacks, you know, up against the cage and her pressure. That's not to say that she would have been able to, but I think she was content with just being there at the time. On the other hand, Chris Cyborg was getting her money's worth out of that weight cut, Sean. Why yeah. do you kill yourself to make weight when you're going to wreck these people in 90 seconds? Do you know? That yeah. was, a, that was, a, that was a, a treat for Chris Cyborg to go that long in the UFC. Yeah, let's talk about the weight cut now. Like, for me, I think it's terrible what the UFC are doing to her. I don't think they should make her fight at 140 anymore. Look, People will probably listen to this now and say, oh, but she's she's a steroid user. She failed the test. She deserves punishment. She got her punishment. She got banned for nine months or whatever it was. She couldn't fight. She couldn't earn. And she came back. Now she's under USADA testing. She's getting tested all the time. If she fails again, fair enough. She looks, she'll get caught. She'll get banned, whatever. But at the moment, she's competing like anyone else. Like, should Alistair Overeem have to cut to 205? He's failed the test. Should he have Sean to go? Chill, son, and signed with Bellator. <laughs> Woo! Exactly. Like, why is Cyborg different to everyone else? Like, she failed her test. She served her time. Look, the, these things. Are, there's loads of people you okay, you could suspect are steroid users or whatever. But you can't work that way. You just can't do it. And it's I've no idea why they're doing it to her. Look, it, fair enough. If someone like McGregor now, right? Say McGregor's fighting at 170, and you want him to come back down to 145. So, look, he got a 175. You'll say you give him a 155 fight to make his way back down to yes. 145, because it's hard to do at the time, right? Okay, fair enough. At the start, Cyborg, look, we'll, we'll give you a fight at 140. We'll see if you can make that. And then if you can get down to 135, you can fight Ronda or Holly or Amanda Nunes or whoever has the title. Fair enough. But now it's gone too far. It has gone too far. You saw those videos. She has said she's never making 135. She can barely, barely make 140. It's over. Forget about it. She's not making 135. So to try to make her one, to, to get her to make 140 is an idiotic, pointless act. It's just pointless. Why would you do it? It's, it's, it's stupid. Just let her fight a 145. If you want Chris Cyborg in, on your roster, let her fight a 145 and find people to fight her. If you don't want her to do that, if you only want to keep the 135 division, if you refuse to have anyone else... Release her. Release her. Let, let her, her go. go make money yeah. somewhere else. She's destroyed. Like, she's, uh, she's getting to the verge of fucking death getting down there to 140. And look, she's lucky she has George Lockhart because he's the best in the game by miles, I think. And if, if there was anyone else there... You know, it'd be Say, even worse, and it's bad enough callow. when he's there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But I, I just, I've no interest in ever seeing her fight at one forty again. Have her fight at one forty-five, or get rid of her. I, I, if I was her, I wouldn't do it. Like it's grand. Okay, she's getting paid well and everything, but 
there's you know there's other ways of doing it she's got the way she's gone now something's going to happen we spoke about it last week uh, last week that she could literally die cutting weight and she actually could like there's there's some big weight cuts and I, it's not to say that other people don't do it because they do but they shouldn't be doing it either like this could maybe be a catalyst for other people not doing it but she look we're we're looking at this one we see the video blogs she releases, we she see how much she cuts, and she just should not be doing it. She shouldn't be doing it. I think um, my opinion on the catchback, Sean, has always been similar to yours. It should be a, tra- a transitional phase for a fighter to see if they can get down to the weight class below. Yeah, do you know? And that's maybe that's effectively what this was at the start, but to me, it's gotten like. We were fairly vocal about it last week, and this was before we knew how bad the wake-up was going to be or how severe the week was going to be for her. Do you know that sort of way? And the news yeah. that was coming, like it was a, <clears throat> it was the biggest story of the week last week, Sean. Yeah. The UFC were having to monitor her situation as well. Jeff Nowitzki came out and said that, and they would have had the ability to pull the fight if they thought that she was unwell. So the the people that were making her cut to a stupid, pointless weight also had the authority to pull the fight if they thought it was going badly. Like, that's the most ludicrous thing that I've ever heard in my life. This is, it's absolute madness. And if, like, the the females in the sport themselves should nearly be rallying around here and saying, we're not taking this fight. We're not fighting her at 140. We, like... Unless they're hoping to get some sort of advantage over her by, hap- you know, let's tire her out for a round. Well, that theory's gone out the window at the weekend, thanks to Miss Landsberg going into the second round. Do you know, Cyborg isn't going to get tired after the first round due to this cut. She's an absolute monster. I don't care if the UFC don't have a 145-pound division, but maybe in the way the hierarchy of the UFC is run, that titles mean things and we do this and we do that. They don't. Do you know what I mean? They do not. Good chance that Chris Cyborg fighting in a high-profile 145-pound female fight with no title on the line on pay-per-view will do more buys than the 125-pound champ Demetrius Johnson would on pay-per-view in America anyway. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? So, sorry UFC, your titles don't actually mean shit anymore. It's like, the the safety here is absolutely paramount I, I I don't know maybe it's because like we have witnessed uh, I've witnessed some particularly extreme weight cuts in the last couple of years in Irish MMA alone and seeing that the, the long term damage it can have like remember Chris Cyborg last week Sean was saying that how Lockhart had put her on birth control yeah like different things like it was looking ropey at it like to be fair when you're hearing how much she had to cut in such a short space of time to me she has solidified herself as the best female mixed martial artist of all time. And I think it's like, I'm not going to say a large part of it is down to her weight cut, Sean. But the fact that she repeatedly does this just to be able to fight and then just to continue to win in as devastating fashion as she's doing is something to behold. Yeah. Look, the thing about it is that you mentioned there for no belt. And a lot of people, I wouldn't mind that. That'd be fine to me. But I think you could institute a belt. Now, I've been vocal before about not adding more divisions because there isn't enough talent. And there definitely isn't enough talent to make a 145 women's division. 
But I think Joe Rogan made a great point on Twitter at the weekend that the talent will build. Like it's different. Say if you're adding, if you're adding like a, a cruiserweight men's division, right, a two hundred and twenty pound division, the talent is not going to build for that because you already have. You have a 205 division that's terrible and you have a heavyweight division that's terrible and they've been there for years and years and years. And just look, it's the matter of bigger guys are not going to be fighting as much. They're not. They're going to go to other sports and, and things like that, right? So that's that's why you shouldn't have them there. But for women's featherweight, it's never had a chance to grow. You know, it's never, it's there's never been a, a champion like Chris Eiberg in the UFC for a division to go around her. Now, when she was in, say, Strikeforce back in the day, when there was no women in the UFC, you had Gina Carano around her. You, you know, you had Mingxi Taylor. Okay, she was a bantamweight, but she, you know, there was always talks of that happened too. There was talks of Ronda Rousey fighting her. And don't forget, Ronda Rousey was fought at 145 before, and she's a big cut to get to 135 too. Ronda can fight at 145. And don't never forget that. Holly Holm has a huge cut to make the 135. I'd say she's a, a natural 145 as well. DNBs. <laughs> but if you I, I, as I said I'm vo- I was I'm very vocal against adding divisions but I'd have no problem adding a 145 division pick up a few give it give it a chance let let it see if it can build this is not a thing you have to you know you have to stick to long, long term I'm sure if you if you gave Holly Holm a title fight against, against Chris Cyborg for 145 pound UFC title I'm sure she'd take it and there's a huge fight you have to start off mega fight and if Winner, whoever wins that, imagine if Ronda Rousey fought them. There's another huge fight, you know. So, I think this can happen. If you look at the women's bantamweight division now, okay, the top six or seven fairly strong, but then you have Sarah McMahon, Raquel Pennington, Liz Carmouche, Betch Correa, you know, people I, like I don't Ash- follow you said Ash- strong. <laughs> Ashley Evans Smith, like Caitlin Chukagan. She's had one fight in the UFC, I think. Um, has she had two, mate? One or two. You know, Jessica I la- Jessica I is ranked 13. What has she lost, like, her last four or five fights or something? Like, it's it's not ex- it's not exactly, you know, you build one of the biggest stars in the UFC, Ronda Rousey, the second, after McGregor, she's the second biggest star in a terrible division, in a terrible, terrible division. Now, uh, Patrick Goyman did a great piece in it last week about how the UFC is built on stars now. Well, Chris Cyborg could be a star. And it could be worth building a division around her so you have that biggest star. You know, she I don't think she's ever going to be a Rousey or a McGregor, but she could be up there. She could, you know, if you look after him, you okay, you may, might have John Jones, uh, who, Robbie Lawler maybe, you know, although he's, they both have lost their titles now, but Weidman or Rockall or whoever, you know, up there as well. But you don't have many challenging. You know, she could slot in there as the third or fourth biggest draw in the UFC, possibly, if she gets big fights, if she gets a home fight, if she gets a Ronda Rousey fight. And I imagine if she got the two of them and destroyed both of them. Like, she's immediately a huge draw. And I could see something like that happening. So for the UFC, it makes sense for them. Make 145, make uh, make her a champion and uh, move forward with it. Agreed fully. Yeah. One thing, John Anik in the cage probably got a talent off afterwards. <laughs> that was brilliant. I yeah. wish I had a belt to give you. <laughs> what a man. What a man. Speaking of commentary, I we're going to look at the rest of this car, but... I think the other standout thing in this card was Dominic oh. Cruz's commentary. He like he's just fantastic, and I I tweeted on Saturday night. He has 
we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, fighter, I think fighters kind of find it hard to get a chance to step back and look at the sport from, from the outside. And, you know, I was, I was talking about a lot of people need analysts. And I think a lot of the fighters are getting analysts now because, you know, it's it's hard to see. what What's the impression? It's hard to see the wood for the trees or something like that. Or the, for, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. But Dominic Cruz has this perspective where he was a world-class fighter. He got to step away for three years and look at everyone else, look what everyone else is doing. He said himself that his mindset of a fighter was gone. He was on the outside, you know, he was an analyst. He got to analyze on, then he got to step back into fighting. And that's a unique perspective because almost no one else has that. You know, there's I can't think of another person in the world. And someone, and it's not just that, you need like the intelligence of someone as well, like Dominic Cruz. And I think he's absolutely phenomenal. I think he's the best commentator they've ever had. Um, on a technical point of view now that's grand for me to say and for you to say and stuff but I saw a couple of people talking about okay casual fans tuning in might be a little bit uh, yeah. perplexed or not understand and that's definitely an issue and he's going to improve at that but for me I absolutely love him I wish he did every car to be honest I think he's great I, <laughs> I wish I wish he did every car to be honest I think he's great yeah Fact. Sean Sheehan, two thousand and sixteen. <laughs> I was um I was a fan as well, but I did kind of side on the on the topic that you brought up. He was a little irritable, I thought at times. If I was trying to watch it like from a casual point of view, I would have been like, "Oh, come on, man!" It seemed like he was just calling calling stuff for the sake of calling stuff. Do you know there was a couple of times and he's like. Okay, so for example, now he's going to probably lead in with a jab right hook. And then the other guy could have shot a double leg. Do you know that sort of thing? There was some just yeah. completely off-the-wall calls. But definitely, if, you're, if you are looking at it from how he breaks down, I nearly thought Dominic Cruz was being condescending in the commentary box at certain points. It was so funny. Do you know the way we were talking about how he shit-talked TJ Dillashaw the most effectively ever? Yeah. He was just kind of like, but how are you going to beat me? You're not going to be able to hit me. Do you know that sort of... I, th- I thought his commentary style was actually very like that as well. And it was nearly like, oh, well, no, he should be doing this. And that's why it's not working for him. Yeah. Do you know? And I thought that was brilliant insight. Especially in the Barrow fight, when he was explaining how Barrow was able to kick the inside leg in order to set up the distance for his spinning kick. Do you know? Like, just little things that Cruz was saying that is obviously from the mind of... You mentioned it there. I would say he's one of the most intelligent fighters that I've ever interviewed. Do you know, like he really is that. Um, he is that smart. Do you know, and the way that he looks at the game is just completely different to everyone else. But I don't I, I see like, him. I like the negativity. I don't think that's the thing we see enough. Well, honestly, it's always good in the UFC. You know, we never hear anything bad. But I like when Dominic Cruz says, "Oh, that's a terribly trombone," or something <laughs> like that. I like that. Like, yeah, we need to see that. I think we need to hear that. No, people definitely need to realize that it, uh, that some of the the standard isn't up to up to scratch. I would like to see Dominic Cruz and Artem Lobov in a commentary book together. Both men would just probably call out the entire uh, like Artem would offer to fight everybody, and Cruz would explain how he'd beat everybody and say it to their face <laughs> like. But my, um, my favorite thing in Cruz's commentary was third round of the Eric Silva fight when they were both really tired, and he's just talking about how. And it, I don't think most people mention this on commentary, but ho- ho- talking about how the fundamentals will win you a fight when everything else goes. And he was like, he said it as Eric Silva started jabbing up uh, Chagas. 
And it was like, oh, yeah, you're actually dead right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's no, that, not, that doesn't happen that much. Several like. times that yeah. happened in the night. I actually think it could have been the cyborg fight as well. He just had a couple of really great lines that made you just sit and think, oh, yeah, you're actually dead right. Do you yeah. know, like, that was a great call. Like, there was a couple of times I was sitting watching, and I was like, that was a fantastic call there by Dominic Cruz. Do you know, just the way he had predicted something was about to happen. Or the way that he had broken down something and then the fighter went on to do it again. Very happy. Would be looking forward to seeing him. When is he next in the booth or do we know? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But uh, just your point there about predicting as well. I think that's a bit risky. I think that's one thing he kind of needs to to let go. or Because if you can turn into Bass Rooten then where you're just, oh, he's going to throw the, the liver kick now or he's going to throw the hike. You know, and I that's too much because you're just trying to be smarter than everyone then, I think. But Dominic Cruz already is smarter than everyone, so he doesn't need to do that. But yeah, I think... Uh, I think he'll improve that. Like you know, it's his first time. He did a couple of those um, uh, Russian events and things, but it's just from the UFC. I think he'll improve. He might, uh, like I think Daniel Cormier is doing it too. I think they're trying him out, trying out a couple of people. Um, look, oh, you know me now. I don't like Kenny Florian, and I hope he doesn't do it anymore. And you know, you've Dominic Cruz was writing down, transcribing Dominic Cruz's analysis mid fights at the weekend. <laughs> and did you see Kenny Florian as well? He said Cyborg can make one thirty-five. Is he basing that off the fact that he once made one forty-five? Probably. Why is and Kenny Florian still employed by the UFC? Come on, realistically, like, I'm sorry, but he's just terrible. <laughs> I've gone full Dominic Cruz here. Yeah, you really I like are. Kenny Florian as a fighter. I think he's actually a good presenter, like on the on the desk and stuff. But like his analysis is just terrible. His commentary is awful. Like, just call a spade a spade here. Let's be real about it. He's and especially when the guy's so good, like Dan Dan Hardy. His analysis is excellent. His commentary is excellent. Dominic Cruz, excellent commentary, excellent analysis. Uh, Daniel Cormier, his analysis isn't great, but the one time he did commentary for that, that Jones fight was very, very good. I'd love to hear him doing it again. You know, Joe Rogan, great commentator. What about Rogan and Cruz together? Stan, great as well. Uh, Rogan and Cruz, well, you couldn't do that. You, they're two color guys, but... I, uh, just to listen. Do you know John? I uh, what I loved about John Anik at the weekend? He was just kind of sitting yeah. there listening to Dominic yeah. Cruz. You it could was, tell. The best part of the commentary was Anik's replies after Cruz had done like... So... Dominic Cruz went on his like his Graham McDonald esque rant. Do you know what I mean? Of just like he needs to do this and this and this and this, and then he'll be able to do that, and then he'll be able to come and do this, and then once he's done that, he's going to be able to go and do that. UFC two hundred five November twelfth <laughs> tickets on sale. <laughs> like back to you, Dominic. <laughs> and, you know, like that was just pretty much John Anik's job at the weekend. Like, yeah, he was kind of he was just listening to Dominic Cruz like the rest of us now, but yeah, you know. Look, speaking of uh, former bantamweight champions, we'll just go quickly through the rest of this the card. Hinnenborough uh, beat Philip Nover. The next thought, Anderson Silva. Uh, indeed. I thought it was a good performance by Hinnenborough. Yeah. Um, he looked he looked very light in his feet, which has always been a problem for him. Uh, Flailed yeah. massively in the third, I thought. Yeah, Got he pretty did. Pretty tired. Right. Yeah, uh, but other than that, I thought, it was, I thought it was a good display. I thought Philip Nover actually looked okay as well. Um Better than better than normal. Cruz, um, oh yeah. my god! Cruz actually said something along the lines of um, how this fight will make Nova even better because he never believed in himself up till that point because he'd never been in a fight that you know as big as the Barrow fight. So good, yeah, 
And I thought that made excellent sense because there was parts in the fight where you're thinking, Nova's getting good exchanges here. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is doing decent. But then just didn't pull the trigger on it any further, if that made sense. It was like he had flashes of brilliance and then allowed Barrow to come back into his game. Yeah. I, I still want to see Barrow against Anthony Bettis. I think that's a good fight. Both fighting a 145 now or former champions. I think that's I think that could headline a you know Fox Sports one or a Fox card even. I think that's a good fight. Would watch. Make it. Hashtag make it. Um outside of that, Ryan Nelson knocked out Antonio Bigfoot Silva. And took out Big John McCarthy. Took out well. Big John McCarthy. Right. Two things from that, I suppose. Wait, I can I say one thing before you get on, into the you fight? Can. Antonio Silva is now playing a game of looking like a completely different person after every fight. Shia LaBeouf. My God, that yeah. was some barnet he had on him at the weekend. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that beard. That was a nice beard. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I think Bigfoot Silva actually looked better in this fight than he yeah. has like in, he in a long time. serious shots. Yeah. First round, he ate a huge right hand and stayed in the same place. And I was like, I kind of was like wincing away as it landed and then I realised, wait a minute, what's wrong? Like, he, fair enough, he lost, but I don't think he, uh, I think Bigfoot actually got very tired and gassed. Um, Cruz was alluding to it as well. He had great success when he was able to kick Roy, like land, land kicks to the body. And in the second round, maybe he just didn't have the energy for it. And I think he maybe got a little bit too confident in his hands, maybe in his chin and in his boxing as well in the second round, because he was taking shots, and he was slipping stuff very well, but it just seemed that, he he actually caught Roy, with a couple of big shots he as did, well, yeah. like I thought Roy was hurt at one stage, I thought like, could have been, could have saw a finish come, but, that was, um, I know we were fairly, you know like, oh no, he sh- like I still don't think he should fight again, you know I think that should be it for Bigfoot Silva, but, I think after his last couple, yeah, but after this one, I, I, I'd have no problem seeing him fight again, to be honest. I thought he put on a very good display. Well, not a very good, but, you know, good enough display. He, he, it was a valiant effort, but as I said, he can only take so many of those shots. When, when Roy is throwing those big overhands, he was connecting with a lot of them. He could only say, take too many, and he took enough, you know, in fairness. I think, I wouldn't, give him Francis and Gano. That's That's what I should give him. Give him my boy Francis, see how he gets on with him. So, um, but yeah, look, if he was to retire, I'd be happy because if he come, he could go out again and take a big knockout in his next uh, his next fight, and we'd be back to square one then. So, I think he'd be, you know, I think he'd probably be better off retiring. But if they had him on fighting in, I'd I'd be okay with it. I, I don't want to see him really. fight in risen. Yeah, that'd be cooler. Yeah, he should be on TRT as well. Do you know what they give exactly, TUEs? Yeah. He should apply for a TUE and he should get one. Like he should be on it. He's in medical condition. He should be on it. But I suppose, yeah. But getting a jab up the arse, big John McCarthy got one as well off of uh, off of Ryan Nelson. <laughs> if you didn't see the fight, uh, big John should have stopped it earlier. He, he, Roy hit Antonio with three shots after it should have been stopped, and basically just coughing nails like so. There was no need for it. Roy got pissed off that he had to throw the fights or throw the throw the punches, and he gave John McCarthy a bit of a, an old push kick in the arse. the arse, Bishop Brennan. Here's my thoughts on it. And I see some people online saying like, oh, the precedent has been set. Jason High was thrown out of the UFC. Now you have to throw Ryan Nelson out of the UFC. That was an incorrect precedent. Jason High should not have been thrown out of the UFC. That was a bullshit decision back then and still a fucking bullshit decision. So if you're saying that, you're just agreeing with the bullshit, right? 
and Ryan Nelson, what Ryan Nelson did was a lot worse than what Jason High did because Ryan Nelson had lost. If you remember Jason, or Ryan Nelson had won. Jason High had lost. And, you know, he had been, he, it was half Aldo Sanos, I believe. And he'd been hit with a lot of shots. He's, you know, his head was all over the place. And he slightly pushed the referee. Forgive, very forgivable. Very, very forgivable. Now what Ryan Nelson did, he'd won. He went back. He thought about it for a few seconds. Then he ran over and he kicked John McCarthy. Which, look, it's bad. It's a lot worse than Jason High did. So I think he should definitely get punished. Now, I wouldn't have punished Jason High at all. I would have, you know, a slap on the wrist, something something small. But I think Ryan Nelson deserves a good punishment. I think he deserves, I don't know, uh, I'm not sure what, any ideas what punishment. Give him a six-month ban or something, no. something like that. Why not? I agree with Ryan Nelson. He didn't yeah, kick him. He pushed him. Nah, he he push kicked him. He didn't come up and bury a leg kick into his thigh. You can't be doing that, though. You can't be hitting referees. No. Can't be touching them. Disagree. You So you can. People can go up and just kick referees. Yeah, but want. like, the letter of the law of a definition of assault, Sean. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... No, but I'm not saying it was assault. Yeah, but, you but no, you're going to get someone who's saying it was assault. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's... He push-kicked John McCarthy in anger that he had to keep punching his friend in the head because yeah. he wasn't competent enough to stop the fight. That's all it was. I, like... I like fair enough. Respect the referee. The referee's there to keep you safe. All of this, but that's the referee's job to keep the fighters safe. And John McCarthy at the weekend did not keep Bigfoot Silva safe. That's true. Fair enough. So Roy Nelson, like, don't get me wrong, Sean. I would enjoy punching you to a pulp. But if I had to do that to you as well, I'd be pretty annoyed at the fucking referee that let me do it a little bit longer. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, I that's, see where you're coming from. Like, I'm not saying, like, fair enough, he disrespected, blah, 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 and that shouldn't be happening, and I I understand that all entirely, but it's not, like, it's really, it's complete, look, go back to the Paul Daly situation, who tried to punch Koscheck after the bell, yeah. you know what I mean, because he was frustrated at what had just happened, he was frustrated at the fight, and he was able to think of that, and he made the wrong call, but this is a completely different retaliation from Roy Nelson. Do you know? I thought, reading it at the time, that Roy Nelson had been stopped. Remember when you put it in the WhatsApp yeah. group and he got mad and hit John and hit John McCarthy and was like, oh, that's bullshit. But the fact that he hit him after winning the fight just shows that he wasn't doing it because like, oh, I'm annoyed. He's like, you're an idiot. He's like, you're an actual idiot. Yeah, Why? but that makes it worse in a way. I don't think so. Yeah. I think if he had lost, he's a sore loser. Do you know what I mean? But he had yeah. just won. So now he's like, why the fuck did you let him take that much damage? Yeah. And he didn't, I see your like, point. I if he had a punched him, Sean, I'd be saying something completely different. Yeah. But he, 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 John McCarthy was on the ground and he put his foot to him to try and knock him over. He didn't go up and leg kick him. He didn't go up and fucking bury him, uh, a kick <laughs> into his thigh. He didn't try to punch him. He push kicked him. He pushed yeah. him with his foot. Let's call a real spade a spade. Uh, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but I, I still think you can't touch a referee like that. You're gonna have to do something. I don't want Why? like I don't referees want referees can fucking clatter, clatter fighters with their knees trying to save them. Do you know what I mean? Like they can throw themselves on top of you. They can actively push a fighter off another fighter. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes take it a little bit too personal. But what's like? Who cares? Do you know what I mean? Ref, like Sean, referees are effectively bullies. Do you know what I mean? I aren't like... Ah, jeez. No, no, let's... Like, look, Sean. Uh, the man who stands in the centre of the cage that wants to be the centre of attention. 
that gets to control and decide on everything that happens in a fight and is the deciding factor in whether it starts or stops. Every referee I've ever met is a fucking raging egomaniac. <laughs> there, there is a bit of a ego. Part, like, no, like, fair enough. Irish MMA is not the case because it's guys that have to ref for the sake of refereeing. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, we need someone to ref. Do you know what I mean? Fortunately, I've never met Herb Dean. You hate referees. Oh, I hate referees pretty much. Like, look, that's <laughs> Someone, it. That's a t-shirt. That's the next t-shirt. I hate I referees. Hate referees. Andrew, Andrew McGahan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, right. <laughs> next fight. Farnes- uh, Farnesco? Francisco oh, 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 oh. Trinaldo. No, no, a referee stoppage here. A, well, a doctor stoppage against Paul Felder. Uh, wasn't a great fight. I thought Paul Felder was... Disappointing. Was, Disappointed. Denial McGrath curse yes. strikes again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking Niall McGrath versus Pete Carroll, fucking uh, Neil Seary against Ian McCall. That's going to be awkward, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus Inter- Christ. After, oh my God, yeah. How are they going to do it about that podcast? Jeez, that's going to be fair awkward now. They should get the two boys on the, two, on the podcast at the same time. That would be hilarious. It's going to be awkward. Yeah, but terrible fight. Good stoppage because Paul Felder is, uh, I was torn apart. Eric Spicely, uh, speaking of Neil Siri, a man who's given Neil Siri guff on Twitter, got a great win over Thiago Santos. Absolutely dominated him. Watched the fight again last night. Very, very good. Um, got Alfredo Pepe. Great finish. Inzo Mori lookalike. Um, and that was about it in this card. Eric Silva got one of the best submissions ever in the UFC, I thought. Yes, which I got a lot of shit Andrew for. Andrew McGahan back take. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant submission. Um, uh, Honey as well looked good. Juicy Farmiga looked good. Uh, Stevie Ray, friend of the podcast, I believe. Uh, got it was a good fight, but uh, got uh, beaten by Alan Patrick, who dominated him on the ground. Really took got, got took him down. Uses Juicy very well. I thought it was. I thought it was a very interesting fight, and I thought it was. Did, uh, there was a lot of grappling in this card, and I thought that was one of the one of the best uh, grappling fights in the whole card. But you know, it really was a it really was a grappler's delight. This card, and uh, well, that wasn't a bad one. Now I have to. I said I have a hip, to, hop, a hip, hip, hip. hip to the hip top, hop to the don't stop them. That's the rapper's yeah. delight, not the grappler's delight. Was it? All right, okay. Um, right, should we talk? We were talking about Neil Siri. Let's talk about him for a, a few oh. minutes. He, he, no, you don't don't like Neil Siri now. He's a horror. No, I'm only messing. He's a, he's a nice guy. He since was, uh, since we recorded the last podcast, Sean, yes. there's been breaking Irish MMA news. So for those that missed it, yeah, I was going to say take it away. No, go on. for those that missed it. Go on. Uh, Neil Siri announced to who do you announce that? Peter, Peter Carroll. That he uh, will retire after his fight with Ian McCall at UFC Belfast. Um. I suppose we look. We'll talk about this a lot. I suppose, especially that week of the UFC Belfast and things. But what were you? my initial thoughts were kind of was it was a bit sad. Like Neil Siri is a throwback. There, I said on Twitter at the time. There, there aren't many people like him anymore. Like hard work and tough, mean man, a man's man. Like who goes out there, puts it on in the line, and shows up for work on a Monday morning. I think. That's the thing that we in Ireland especially appreciate because of the GE and things like that. And we're blessed to have lots of them. Like, you know, we've guys who go out there for shit counties like Limerick and Loud and get beat fucking twice a year after training for six months and go into work again Monday morning after that disappointment. 
you know, we have that in Ireland, and I suppose that we appreciate it a little bit more. And we don't, you know, we don't see that that much at the top level in sports. Now we see more in MMA, but for us here in Ireland, when you know we've, you know, we've blessed to have someone like Colin McGregor who's at the top of the the sport and all. But you have the dichotomy of having Neil Siri there as well, who's the, you know the total opposite. He's you don't see him going around. He's flash BMW. You know he's on his push bike, going going with his uh, is it his daughter, or his son down down to train and you know going six o'clock in the morning uh, cycling to work to get in an extra bit of cardio. You know. Just a phenomenal man and a phenomenal fighter always brings it, always goes out and lays it on the line. You know, it doesn't matter. He doesn't care if he loses or wins just as long as he puts on an exciting fight. And that's another reason why he's a throwback. You know, he saw lots of guys like in pride like that and back in the old days of the UFC where wins and losses weren't as important. And Neil Siri's been able to do that because he's been at the kind of the tail end of his career when he's been in the UFC. And you look, if... Losses don't mean as much to him because he knew he was always kind of go out. He hadn't much, he hadn't much to go because of his age and stuff. And he, I think he spoke about that very well with A.R. Daly in the interview they did this week. So he's been so exciting. I think he's t- turned into a fan favorite, and it'll be sad to see him go. But I'm glad that he gets to go out uh, in, on his own terms and on a fight with Ian McCall. You know, he fought uh, Kyoji Haraguchi in his last fight, one of the best fighters in the world, and he's fighting Ian McCall, who is the best fighter at that weight for years and years and years. And for Neil Siri, a guy, you know, he trawled around fighting at fucking featherweight and fighting any fight he could get, you know, with an almost even record because of it. And then his own weight came in. And now for him to reach a pinnacle where he's fighting a guy who was once considered the best fighter in the world at that weight and to go out like that, I think is phenomenal and it's great to see for Neil Siri. I have to say, Pete's article last week was absolutely brilliant. It was unbelievable. And I don't read anything. Do you know what I mean? But I read that, and it was it was so sad reading it. Siri touched on something that he wanted to be the last one in the UFC from the the group that had got signed. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, excluding Connor, I think he means the next group of people that would have got signed. Like when Pendred went in, when Paddy went in, when Redzer went in, when Ashing went in, and you could art like. You know, like, Ashling's had two injuries in the UFC. You know, it's not to say that she would have lost those fights, but if she had lost those fights, there's a chance she could have got cut. He, she was a little bit later anyway, wasn't she? Remember, they all fought in Dublin. She was in the tough house. She so was I in think, the tough house. Yeah, so, yeah, so I think Siri technically... I'm just saying, for talk's sake, do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, Siri hasn't been injured in the UFC. You know, he's at, he's just kept taking a fight, taking a fight, taking a fight, taking a fight. And he had... A consistent run there. Do you know what I mean? And he wanted to be the last guy standing in there. Where as Ash has maybe, I think, only fought twice. Am I right in that? Yeah, possibly. I'm not. Look, either way, she did come in at a later time than Siri anyway. So I suppose Siri did achieve what he wanted to be. And being the last Irish guy left in there standing. But he also had a great message towards the younger, like towards the younger fighters to show that you can do this while doing a job. As well, you know, that sort of thing. And he has been a perfect example of that throughout the years. He's mentioned it in multiple interviews with myself and with many other people. To me, this is going to be an absolutely heartbreaking night for Irish MMA. And it's just not from the point of view that he could lose, not from the point of view that he's retiring, but it's that somebody who has given so much to the sport and is an actual, like, a real representation of the sport 
do you know, at the highest level of the guy who just was always maybe overachieving in certain ways and underachieving sometimes and is Siri going to get it together? Is he going to get enough wins to get into the UFC? And then he did and then he just started winning people over around the world with his fighting style. Do you know, like how many people do we see on Reddit, on forums, online talking about wanting to see a Neil Siri fight just because of how exciting that they have been? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And he, he probably, outside of Connor, obviously enough, he has probably been the one that has captured the wider mixed martial arts fans' attention more than any other Irish fighter that came into the UFC. And that's something that Neil Siri can absolutely be proud of. The fact that, as you said, fighting someone like Haraguchi and going out against Ian McCall in Belfast, probably not too far from maybe some of the old EFO or UFO cards that Siri would have competed on up north years ago. To me, this is a fairy tale ending for Neil Siri. And this is the thing, Sean. We live in a world now, not all fairy tales end, end well. No. Do you know what I mean? And not all fairy tales end with someone becoming a champion. The fairy tale for some people could just be in there on the biggest night of their life. Do you know what I mean? And that's their story. That's how their story ends. That could very well be how Neil Seary's story ends. It could end on his back in Belfast after Ian McCall beats him. It could end with him on top of the cage. But I don't think... I think that's just irrelevant at this stage. This is the fairy tale. Do you know, getting the fight in Belfast against someone, one of the best fighters in the world, who calls you out who asks to fight you because he knows that you're going to show up to fight him. Do you know what I mean? Like, how good must that feel? Cinderella and Neil Siri, that's it. No, Cinderella it, it, it really is. like, And yeah. it's just, I am really looking forward to the build-up towards this last fight for Siri, to be honest, because I know between myself and yourself, we have a couple of co- cool ideas planned leading up to the Belfast card. But he's just going to... Uh, I, I can't wait. Do you know what I mean? And that's there. there isn't going to be, as Peaky said, there won't be a dry eye in the house at that Belfast card. Like. Mm, indeed. Beautiful. Indeed. We're going to talk about a lot more before the, that card comes in here. A so. uh, couple more things there, Andrew. Speaking of, speaking of Cage Warriors champions, Paddy Pimblett has decided to stay with Cage Warriors to the shock of most people in the world, I think, in the MMA world this week. Um, he signed a contract that will take him into next year. Uh, it was um, released by Cage Warriors during the week. Graham Boylan came out and said that he's going to be the highest paid non-UFC fighter in the UK now, right? Wait a minute, Sean. Yeah? Because, say that again. He's going to be the highest paid fighter in the UK who isn't in the UFC. So everyone outside of the UFC, Paddy Pimblett's going to be the highest paid of all of them. So Liam McGeary got 50 grand for his last fight. So Paddy Pimblett's going to get more than 50 grand per fight to fight in cage artists, apparently. Which is... So I just want to find... Yeah, what do you want to find? The exact quote from Boylan. Because, Sean, this is how he phrased it. The deal structure Patrick Pimblett and Chris Fishgold inked with Cage Warriors will make them the highest paid MMA athletes in the UK outside UFC. The deal structure. That's pretty Mm. much code for if this happens, they may be paid the highest. Do you know, this isn't Paddy Pimblett is getting... 60 grand just to fight in Newport in Wales. Yeah. 
or in the Troxy in London. This is if X, Y and Z happens, it will make them the highest paid MMA athletes in the UK. That was a very cleverly worded sentence by Graham Boylan. But does that mean that they're... It's the exact same way he probably got Pimlet to say that big things were coming. Like, mm. I, like, do you know what I mean? This, I don't understand how, like, Ariel even put up a tweet. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of like, he, I don't want to misquote Ariel, but he said it seemed a bit weird. Do you know what I mean? That he did re-sign after going on about how there was a big thing coming and a big thing coming. Do you know, and we got a lot of questions about are the UFC not interested, but here's the straight facts. Yeah. Graham Boylan probably turned around. Eric Winter's tweet about the matter is all that you need to know. Exactly. Congrats to Graham Boylan on Cage Warriors for re-signing Pimblin and Fishgold. Looking forward to more Cage Warriors on UFC Fight Pass. This is an attempt to try and drive up Fight Pass subscriptions from the UK and Ireland to see Paddy Pimblett fight while building a star. If he loses on Cage Warriors in his next two fights, Boylan gets the rub of having Pimblett have fought on that show. The UFC haven't signed a guy who ended up losing. But yeah. if Pimblett wins his next two fights, which there's a great chance of it happening, then they've got an ultra star who hasn't even fought in the UFC yet with mass cult following coming around him. Yeah, I think, know, this is, I think there's this is two That's ways. Out. I think there's two ways that <laughs> there's two options for what's happening here, right? So look, whatever way Graham Bynum said about the deal structure things, if you, you know, if Liam, Liam McGarry's getting fifty grand per fight, that means Paddy Pimlet's getting paid a lot. You know, say if he's even getting twenty grand a fight, right? Which would is huge. They're either doing one of two things, right? Either Graham Boylan and Cage Warriors are investing heavily in Paddy Pimblet, trying to grow their brand again, you know, regrow it after their time off and stuff. And they're trying to do big things, make big moves, or else the UFC have Cage Warriors and Fight Pass and are doing kind of a Chris Cyborg deal where they're kind of paying Cage Warriors to pay Paddy Pimblet or paying Paddy Pimblet directly or whatever. Now, that's speculation. We I don't know which one of them two things are happening, but one of the two is happening. You know, either Graham Boylan is paying him to grow or the UFC are paying him to, you know, to, to keep growing and to to become a big star and then eventually move to the UFC, kind of like what Chris Cyborg did. So one of those two things are happening. So, look, whichever it is, it benefits both the UFC and it benefits Cage Warriors because it's on... Um, it's on fight pass and things like that. So it, it, this is this is really great for them. Now, Paddy Pimblett is able to be in the UFC for me at the minute. He's good enough. I think he can beat guys in the UFC. Now, I'm not saying he can beat Jose Aldo or Max Holloway or Ricardo Lamas or anything at the moment, but he's going in that tra trajectory and give him two years, three years, and I think he could be up there. Now, it's it's difficult to know our prospects. You know, they can fall away, they can go in, they can, you know, it doesn't always work out. Not everyone's, uh, you know, a Conor McGregor or a, you know, or a Wanda Boy or an, uh, a John Jones or whatever, but he's he, he's definitely able, uh, good enough to fight in the UFC. But I, I have no problem with him um, getting more experience, fighting guys who mightn't be you know, at the UFC level in cage warriors, three or four more fights, even one or two more fights, however many it is. Look what Tom Duncanois did. He, he's doing the same thing in Bama. Now he's fighting good guys as well. Like if he, you know, just talked to him fighting Phil Bot, fought Damien Rooney, you know, he's not taking on any bums. You know, he's fighting all good guys. And I'm sure Paddy Pimblett will be fighting good guys as well. So I have no problem with that. You know, give 
experience. I think a lot of people jump the gun in MMA and don't realize, you know, where the, 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 these guys have to build themselves up. Like it's not, it's not boxing. It's not Anthony Joshua beating twenty five absolute bums and haven't fought no one and you're still a, a world champion who's defended it and you still haven't fought anyone any good like that that doesn't happen in MMA these are fighting they're fighting guys, Paddy Pimblett and Tom Dukumansoff they're fighting guys who are obviously aren't as good as him because they're very good but they're still fighting good guys and they're still not that far into their career you know so let him grow let Paddy Pimblett grow what is he 21 22 years of age let him grow if he's getting paid well even better let him grow in cage wars, have a few fights, and then trans- transition into UFC. What do you um? Just one final thing on the on the Pimble issue before we go on. Mm-hmm. It seems like uh, this could be a massive opportunity for cage warriors to grow themselves further. But if they are linked with the UFC, and let's say for talk's sake, as we say, we have no idea. If the UFC are subsidizing some of Pimblet's wages or putting something towards his, uh, putting something towards him, similar to what the rumored deal with Invicta and Cyborg had been in the past, because that was also in Fight Pass, we can assume that there may be a similar correlation between the two deals here. Does this mean like Cage Warriors can't really grow to the point maybe what they want to be considered in Europe? But are we past thinking that any promotion in Europe or the world will ever be able to grow up and become a dominant European promotion as opposed to just always being a feeder to the UFC? Uh, it'll always be a feeder. Then no, they're not going to grow. Like, And I think the fact that they're with... Um, they're with Fight Pass and stuff. And, and BT Sport. You know, they're partners now with the UFC, basically. And that's a good thing. I, I have no problem with that. It's it's impossible unless you get big money or you know some big investment. And well, I think cage warriors have always been brilliant because of what they've done for prospects. And there's always new people coming through. You know, you, okay, you you're not you're probably not going to have someone like Conor McGregor again. But they have Paddy Pimblett, which which is I was talking to this about Patrick, the Patrick Paddy Pimblett now is bigger than Conor McGregor was when Conor McGregor was with cage warriors, like. No, nobody really knew who Conor McGregor is when he was a belt. People weren't watching it, but people are watching Paddy Pimblett now because of what Conor McGregor did. If you know, if you know what I mean. Okay, there were people watching, people in Ireland, and you know, people who are cage warriors fans and you know, hardcore fans of the sport were watching it, of course. But people, you know, you know, you're talking the street didn't know who who Conor McGregor is. People know who Paddy Pimblett is, you know. Um, and and I think that's. That's a huge thing for him, and it means they're growing, and it means they're growing into a feeder league that can survive. Because if people are watching for these prospects and know this is a great place to get prospects, then they will watch, and then they'll tune in. They'll they'll tune in, and they'll you know that means more money for Graham Boylan to expand cadres to give people better opportunities and all things like that. And I think that's something. That didn't really exist. Remember, you know, Conor McGregor said there was no path for me, and I made the path. Well, he has. That's true. And he's the Paddy Pimble to follow on that path. And you know, Dylan too coming through my follow that path. Reese McKee, all the, these guys coming through are going to follow can follow that path. Now it doesn't just have to be cage warriors. We like Bama were nowhere to be seen a few years ago in that uh, in in that way. And now they're you know filling out the tree arena, and they have guys like Tom Dukunwa, and you know they have Reds are in there who could be back, and you know all these other guys. 
it, I think it's it's grand for them to be this feeder league because okay they're gonna lose some guys naturally that they're gonna go to UFC they're gonna go to Bellator but there's new guys coming through all the time and that's a thing that really wasn't happening before because this is the new you know in Irish MMA anyway this is the new breed now that you don't just have the Pindras, the McGregors, the you know the Philip Mulpeters and all those guys, those guys from that generation, and they're they're your generation. Now you have the next generation. You talk about it a lot. You know you have the guys with two or three fights, and then you have the you know the amateurs in four or five years, maybe who are going to be coming through and going to be you know fighting for cage warrior titles, Obama titles, and trying to get to the UFC as well. So it's it's a circle, and it keeps going. It's going to keep going, and I think there'll always be new people. There'll always be good people, and I think that means that. Places like Claire George, places like Bama can survive and when they're still giving people up to the UFC. There you go. Thank you very much, Sean. Thanks. There you go. Sorry, I went I went into a bit of a rant there, did I? You did. You did a little bit, but it's fine. Okay. Um, we've a couple more things. I think we've a couple of questions about the UFC 205 situation, so we'll get to that, the questions. Um, so let's talk about uh, next week's card. Um it's a good card, but we're obviously not going to spend the ages on it. Um, big, Sean, big are king. you going to be able to continue this for 30 seconds without throwing it back to me to like uh, yes, close my on. window? Yes, Sure, let's do that. Um, Lewis Smolka is fighting Brandon Moreno now, which I've just seen for the first time when I opened Wikipedia because he was supposed to fight uh, against Sergio Pettis in a fight, which I was really, really looking forward to, but Pettis pulled out. Um, I think Lewis Smolka is probably the top prospect in in the uh, featherweight, uh, sorry, flyweight division. Um, I'd love to see him fighting Demetrius Johnson. I hope that happens. Um, under that, not great, apart from Neymar Cart against Tan Amor I think that's a good fight. Andre Feely Hakran Diaz is not a bad fight either. Um, but on top of that, you have Josh Berkman against Zach Otau, who I have no idea who that is. Um, you have Will Brooks against Alex Oliveira in a pretty good fight. I think that's a very, very winnable fight for uh, for Will Brooks, the former Bellator champion, against the Brazilian cowboy. But to top it off, you have John Lineker against John Dodson, two former flyweight contenders going up the bantamweight, two of the fastest hard-hitting guys at the lower weights going up against each other in a main event. Andrew, how do you see that one going? Pain. Mm. Am I fair in saying that? I I probably agree with you. There'll be a little bit of pain in that. Aside from pain being my prediction, Sean, Many flurries of fast hands, both men zipping around like blurs. That's pretty much what you're going to get from John Inneker and John, Don- John Dodson at the weekend. Very interested in seeing, is this his, uh, he fought Manny Gamburian at Bantamweight, didn't he? Yeah. So this is, uh, and that was a, a pretty much a non-event. I suppose it was a fairly quick finish. So seeing him against someone like Lineker at 135 for an extended period of time is going to be absolutely something else to behold. I do think that Lineker just could be too big, though. Um, I don't think so. I think he's he's not that big. Um, for me, I think Lineker is obviously his best thing is his power for for such small guy. The same he, height. He not yeah he knocks everyone out, but it's going to be very hard to hit uh, John Dodson the way he fights like Dodson. We know how fast Dodson is. You know he's probably the fastest guy in the sport, even my even with Mouse uh, included. And 
he's very, very defensive with his speed. You know, he stands on the outside. If he sees a guy coming in, he'll just lip off to the to the left or to the right and get away from the power. Now that's going to be tough for John Lineker because that's what John Lineker does. He walks people down, backs them up against the fence and hits them. And now if he can back Dodson up and stop him moving away to the left or right, he can definitely hit him and he can definitely knock him out. But I think that's going to be tough. And I think Dodson's a very, very good counterpuncher. And if he kind of maybe leaves his head out there, uh, knows he can beat Lineker for speed and can counter him, I think he can give give Lineker a lot of trouble. Um, and I think that'll probably be the losing of the fight, uh, losing a win in the fight, to be honest. I'm picking Dodson here because of that reason. I think Dodson will be able to counter him. He'll be too fast. He's very good power as well. And I think he'll knock John Lineker out in the first two rounds. Ooh word up to your mama my goodness that's a bit of a claim mm-hmm. the the fucking uh, uh, the uh what's what's the word what's that fell in the matrix that can remember uh, neo. Uh, no but the no, other I've dude nev- who, i've never seen the matrix uh, i just know there's a character called neo in it there's the guy who can predict the future what's he called the uh the oracle that's me ah sean the oracle sheehan oh, that's a friend, t-shirt uh, there as well actually yeah the oracle the come oracle. here sean you have a feeling just very quickly looking at the rest of this card that it could be a couple of scummy decisions in there, highlighted and brought up as a card in whole by maybe these lighter weight guys really delivering. Louis Smoke is on the card. Mm, my boy. Will Brooks is still on fire. He's going to be uh, fighting in the co-main event. I'm looking Oliver forward to seeing Hakran Diaz and Andre Feely because that's going to be an absolutely... That will be a barn burner. Yeah. And then uh, Nate Marquardt, the fight past, fight past featured prelim. Against the barn cat. What about Curtis Razor Blades fighting on this card as well? What? What a man. Is that his nickname? Yeah. Oh Razor my god. Blades. And he's uh, in the hotly anticipated fight after destroying Cody West. He's coming up against <laughs> Cody East. His cousin. Cody East. <laughs> his teammate. <laughs> Cody East fights out of um, fights out of Jackson Winchell, John. And to say he has a murky past is an understatement so give that a look up I, I don't want to uh, I, I would say what he did but I can't remember at this moment but he has he you know he isn't the nicest of guys and I think a lot of people are shocked he's actually in the UFC Cody so, East yeah. <laughs> get Cody West in there instead Kanye West's cousin I think that man is yeah yeah, so. yeah. his uh, his nickname is the Freight Train mm. oh okay so if you google Cody East. Yeah. Then I think we'll just let our <laughs> podcast do that, fans yeah. do that. Do what a that. scumbag. And he's yeah. convicted on everything. Yeah, things have been I think he's I think he put some time behind bars. I think. I could be wrong there now. Allegedly. No, just look that up. I'm not sure. So yeah. These things happen. But another man who's figuratively behind bars at the moment is Ally Aquinta, who is pretty much banned from the UFC yeah. because he can't fight for the money they're offering him. Now, okay, he's not banned from the UFC, just in case anyone thinks just he's banned. Clarity. <laughs> they offered, the UFC offered him a fight against Thiago Silva um, at, U, at UFC uh, New York, and he refused the fight because he can't... F- he wasn't getting offered enough money. He's now working as a real estate agent. He's working like a nine to five uh, job, and the money they're offering him is less than what it would be to give up that job and you know and to pay his his trainers and to pay his um, 
his uh, sparring partners and all that. He was on the MMR with Aria last week, and um, he spoke about how his last fight, he hasn't fought, I think, in around 18 months or over a year anyway, and he, he got injured in his last fight, had to have an operation. The, uh, he, he found this great surgeon to do the operation. The UFC refused to pay the whole, uh, whole amount of money for the surgery. He had to put it off. They got him to do stem cells. That didn't work. And after six months, um, he he eventually got the UFC to pay for the surgery because he booked it in. And he said, I'm going for this surgery like in two days. Are you going to pay for it or not? And they eventually did pay for it, so, which is good. But now he's coming back. He hasn't fought since the Reebok deal came in, so he's losing all of it. I think one sponsor stuck by him, American Ethanol. I think they're called, so shout out to them, fair play to them. Um, and they're the only sponsors that stuck by him. He's not going to, obviously, with the Reebok deal, he's not going to have, be able to have any sponsors and stuff. So he doesn't feel that it's, um, it's you know, he doesn't feel that the money is good enough for him to fight. Now, he's ranked number 13 in the world at the moment. He should probably be ranked higher, would probably be ranked higher if he was fighting more and stuff. I think he's on the top prospects of lightweight in this, you know, the most stacked division in MMA. And it's sad that a guy like that isn't getting paid enough money to fight. You know, it's, it's a sad situation we're in. But the UFC seem to be playing hardball. They're not going to give him a raise. They're not going to give him a new contract. Um at the moment, uh, anyway, and you know, it, it's a pity. I think Alec uh, Quinta's a good guy, he's a popular guy as well, and um, it, it's a sad situation. Before we get on to the question, Sean, yes, are you there? I am. Is that the Ally Quinta story done, or do you want me to say about well, that? It's a disgrace, it is a disgrace. But uh, I, I think we're kind of sick of talking about it. We, we talk about this all the time, you know, like different people, fighter X, fighter Y, yeah. WME, step up to the plate and start treating these fighters right. That's about it, to be like honest. If you, you raised, I remember Ian Kidd did a study about it a while back. I mean, it was a couple of years ago at this stage, and he talked about raising, you know, raising every wage bracket by a certain amount, and it wouldn't cost them that much even. Why can't they do that? You know, raise every wage bracket for, say, for what the bottom are ten and ten up to. People who are getting fi- no, but up to the people who are getting fifty grand, yeah, just raise it by five grand. Raise them to fifteen and fifteen, then say raise the twenty and twenty to twenty five and twenty five. That would make that would be huge for people. That would be absolutely huge for a guy like Ally Quinta. You know, with a win, he'd get ten grand more. That would absolutely be huge for him, and for a lot of guys, that'd be absolutely huge. And it wouldn't kill them. It wouldn't hurt them that much. You know, this is a company that's bought for fucking four billion, and they can't pay their their fighters enough. To train, they can't pay the top, you know, the thirteenth best fighter in the at lightweight to train. That's a fucking disgrace. But there's anyway. another bit that we need to cut out of this podcast. <laughs> but I digress. Hi, no, I don't mean cut out. I mean like put it on a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. That's a fucking disgrace. That's a fucking disgrace. Come you? here. Homeland Security are planning on asking tourists for their Facebook and Twitter details. Really? Yeah. So okay, you have I'm, to, I'm verified you have to provide account. your social media handles when filling in uh, immigration immigration stuff. Yeah. Do you know what's bullshit now, actually? You can fucking apply to get verified now on Twitter. Really? Lo- yeah, loads of people are getting verified now. Is, because I, look, I have seen an... Oh, like, look, okay, Sean, I'm going to sound bitter here, right? Yeah. Peter Carroll, Paul Dollery, they were the men that paved the way for Irish Twitter MMA verifications. Yourself and myself followed, not shortly after, but after intense discussions with Twitter, we just decided (laughs) that they finally saw saw the truth. 
Yeah. They were like, there's too many false Sean Sheehan accounts running around and there's too many Andrew McGahans that, sorry, excuse me, that fans of the podcast, you know, would get confused. So yeah. we got verified. But now every Tom, Dick, Harry and their mother are getting verified, screenshotting it and putting it up mm. on Twitter <laughs> because the, the rest of their friends list don't know that you can apply to be verified now. So it's like, oh yeah, woke up to the blue tick. Yeah. It was like, Didn't yeah, you... you woke up to the blue tick after you emailed Twitter last night asking <laughs> for it. You know, they need I to, genuinely they need, like, did wake up to my blue tick. Thank you, Mr. Sheehan. There you go. They, they they need a fucking green tick for these people. They they need like a before and after. There, yeah, there should be yeah. a different. That would be a great expose on the mixed martial arts media world, Sean. Now, if we're exposing media, uh, fucking mixed martial arts media for fake uh, or for for Twitter and and uh, maybe a few fake followers, geez, I think we'll have a lot of fucking exposing to do. Just before we get to the questions, though, someone asked me recently, um, what does it take to become? Uh, uh, someone Famous. covering the sport or, or no or, uh, a journalist or something in, in MMA and uh, my answer from was buy 20,000 fake followers act like you've been watching MMA for more than six months and write for as many people as you can for free for as long as you possibly can that's how you do it just fake it till you make it really basically that's how you do it been looking and watching the sport for years and you know developing ideas about it and you know writing for small time uh, people and developing yourself as a writer or you know as a videographer or as a photographer or uh, you know as someone who actually covers and loves the sport no don't do that at all just just fake it just you know see the sport you watch four or five fights. You're saying, "Ah, yeah, look, I can buy twenty thousand followers. I can say I've been watching this sport for for ten years. You know, I was watching Pride, man. I was watching Pride, and then yeah, just just fake it and you know, write write for free and do do everything for free. Don't take any pride in any of your work. Just write uh, all the shit that you can, and that's how you do it. That's how you become a a reporter these days. So there you go. Anyway, questions. Look, that sounds <laughs> a lot better to me. That's, look, I know you're saying that in a bad way, Sean, but for the man that has spent the last four years working in a fucking nightclub to be able to fund going away to these trips, could you teach me how to do what you've just described there? Uh, Yeah, I don't think you need much teaching. There's uh, plenty of examples out there. But anyway, while you get the questions, let me just mention our sponsors, rosnutrition.com who are sponsors of real MMA coverage on the Severe MMA podcast here, and they provide you with real nutrition, real vitamins, real supplements for all your needs as a sports athlete or just a person who wants to stay fit and healthy. They have all the best protein, vitamins, BCAAs, krill oil, all the best things like that, rosnutrition.com, and you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code SEVEREMMA, rosnutrition.com. Help us. Help you. Andrew, questions? Sean, hello. Since he's always complaining about not getting a question asked, and since he actually was in before Mr. Podge this week, Brian Lynch would like to know, what are the chances of Chael Sonnen being the Velator Vice President of Fight Promotions within two years? Never. Do you not think? No. Do you don't think that they'd use him in some way? No, I think there's a lot of talk of that with UFC and stuff as well, but I don't think it'll ever happen. No, he could be a commentator or something, but 
I don't I don't think so. There you go. Shout out to Spencer Carpin. He couldn't sleep at all last night. Well, this was a couple of days ago. Listen to seven episodes back to UFC 193. And Legend. he loved it. Thank you very much, Spencer. Sorry that we had to ruin your night like that. Um, Mr. Podge, one Mr. Podge would like to know. Two, well, it's kind of a two, uh, two-parter. Alvarez versus Khabib at 205. Assuming Khabib wins, how would a fight between him and McGregor sell? As a striker versus a grappler angle? Or what do you think? And as well, if McGregor doesn't get on 205, and assume he's not on 206, is 207 in Vegas on December 30th too long away? Um, I don't think they will put him on that card because Ronda Rouse is going to be on that card. They're hardly going to put their two big draws on that one card. No, it could happen, but I doubt it. I think it'll probably be 2 or or no, maybe Ronda will be later on. Yeah, I think McGregor might be on that card, actually, and Ronda might be in a He a better card, not be. A card in January. Why not? You'd want to go get away and all. I would not. Okay. So. Yeah, that would be terrible. That's been well documented, my thoughts on Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. How bad do you think it would be flying on St. Stephen's Day to Las Vegas to yeah. go cover a mixed martial arts fight? Yeah, that would be that would be fairly bad. Uh, but, yeah, that's that, they have to put that thinking into it as well. And you'd I, probably I don't think... be in the air for New Year's as well. Yeah. Um... The, the I, don't, UFC, I don't think I don't think the, the two hundred five thing is over yet. Okay, we will we will talk about the two hundred five thing anyway. But the only way that two hundred seven like that won't happen, and the only way it does is if the UFC are actually trying to prove a point to Connor. Do you know what I mean? To make like to make it uncomfortable on him. Do you know? Because no Irish will be at that. There will be no Irish people in Las Vegas in December after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people have. Are very mixed up with what's happening for two or five as well. I Would don't you think break it down there before the next question because we never got to talk about it. Yeah. So from from the the Gavin Springett, for example, yeah. said, "Who needs who more, the UFC or McGregor?" Hashtag UFC two hundred five. I, I I think it's not nothing to do with McGregor at all. I think it's all Eddie Alvarez. They're trying to Eddie Alvarez is trying to strong arm and to give him giving him big money for this fight. Um, you know. More than what has been agreed or whatever, or more than most most people would want for a fight, even like the Diaz's and stuff like that. That's where I've heard, or I've that's through the grapevine. That's where the problems have uh, are occurring. Um, so, if they get that sorted, I think the fight will happen. And I, uh, you know, Dan White has said things about McGregor. He said Habib is next, um, and that you know Habib showed the two. Um, the two contracts, and I think that's all plies by the UFC to take the McGregor fight away from Eddie Alvarez because he knows that's big, big money for him. And if he loses it, he's probably going to lose his title to Habib, and he's probably never going to get a big fight again. So they're trying to strong arm him into getting that big fight, and I think it'll eventually work. And I think you'll see McGregor and Alvarez on UFC two hundred five. Well, we're going to know it in the next twenty four hours, Sean. Are we? The press conference is tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna, yeah. I am going to be live at Dublin Airport for the next 24 hours to see if Conor McGregor arrives. <laughs> not really, not really. Peter Carroll's already sitting outside SPG anyway, so uh, yeah, he's going to be there for the next while. Okay, okay, EH. Is the surge in public social media negotiations coming from fighters or their hired agents and managers? Is this desperation? Thank you. Um, 
Yeah, it's a bit weird. You see TJ Dillashaw calling out Dominic Cruz yeah. and 100 grand. Off, like, oh my God, Dominic Cruz probably, I wish I had been in a room with Dominic Cruz when he <laughs> found that out. Like, yeah. 100 grand to Dominic Cruz is probably nothing. And mm. TJ Dillashaw put it up like it was a, like a serious bet. And that's a sad thing in itself, Sean. I'm delighted you brought that up. The fact that someone like TJ Dillashaw needs to offer 100,000 to try and incentivize someone to take in a fight shows how badly these fighters are paid. It does, but it also shows how badly they are at playing at the game. Being human, it was just terrible, yeah. terrible. Who, like whoever, if he decided to do that himself, I can understand it because he's pretty bad. But if someone advised him to do that, oh, terrible! Like I really want to see that fight, but that was just embarrassing. Should never ever have done it. Like it was, it, it was just terrible. I watched a great, um, I got, uh, I think, um, what's his name? The uh, SPG fighter, Kiefer Crosby, put up uh, and Randy Savage promo last night. And like, it was him with like a cup of coffee. And he's like, this is going to be this guy's cup of coffee at the big show. And like, he throws it down and he's like, okay, that's just, uh, that's like the best promo ever. And you look at TJ Dillashaw and it's just like the worst, you know, why would he do that? It was just, it was just so stupid, so dumb. It's never going to happen. Like everyone watching that just thinks, oh, okay, that's never going to happen. This is pointless. Why is he doing this? So yeah, it was just utterly waste of time. There you go. Et cetera. Hmm. Cage side now would like to know what sites or people apart from ourselves are good to follow. All, I suppose All everyone knows the big ones. What small ones? Are there any good small ones going around? Um, I like J- James Lynch does Parting Shot podcasts. Very good. Uh, and he does, I think, MMA odds breakers. Although he's working for Flo as well now. Um, your MMA do good stuff in the UK. That's about it. I don't know. I think. Who do you think? You know better than me. I just go to the big ones usually in severe MMA. I'm just yeah. Well, I just go on to severe MMA 24 hours a day. Yeah, that's pretty much it to be honest. Um, I always say Jordan Breen, which is fair enough. Um, but unfortunately, the cheap seats are no more. It's back to the Jordan Breen show. Um. I'm just trying to think, like off the top of my head. I do you know what I base it off, Sean? Yeah. Do you know when you just pick your phone up and then you have to go to someone's Twitter page to see mm-hmm. if they put something up? Jeremy Botter is someone who quite regularly I check his Twitter page. So would uh, Front Row Brian. I would check both of their Twitter pages quite regularly because I know if something big happened, there's going to be a tweet about it. What about me? Do you know that sort of way? I do track your Twitter page quite regularly as well. Nice. No, I honestly do. Sean's the best. Quite be disappointing. Yeah, at Sean Sheen BA is the best Twitter site in the world, let's be honest. Or the best MMA site best in the world. Best MMA site in the world. Okay, next question. I, let's go, Andrew. I, sorry, I'm yawning. Like <sighs> it's five o'clock in the day, Sean, and I am ready for yeah. bed already. Like This is ridiculous. Um, did you watch any of Risen at the weekend? I didn't yet. I haven't oh, had a chance to watch it yet. So someone asked us, "What what did Crazy Horse do?" He got into he got he got a great win actually. I saw that, and uh, he got into fight with Vanderlei backstage, and now Vanderlei's apparently fighting Crow Cop in December or November. Or yeah, in the quarterfinals, isn't it? Yeah, so that should be fun. Can I just predict that Chael Sonnen will fight Vanderlei Silva in Bellator within the next eighteen months? Yeah, that'll definitely happen. I'd say, hundred percent. Okay. Excellent. Uh, Super Callow would like to know when are we going to do a feature on Betch? The fans demand it. We already spoke about Betch earlier on this podcast for a second. Yes, we? Yeah, so, so there you go. 
It's also next on week. our private subscription podcast network yeah. uh, next to the Super Cato podcast. So fifty dollars um, an per episode. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a it's a steal to be honest. Mm-hmm. Supercalo.com. You can find it there. Um Jules Stavley would like to know does the UFC still have a leg to stand on making Cyborg still compete at one forty or will they create a division for her? No, there's no leg to stand on. They need no to leg. They need it's like a chair with no legs. Exactly. They're sitting on the floor. That's effective. Alan Philpot asked a question about the top five fighters north and south and who do you think should be next to them. I'm not going to get into that. This is the five fighters that we think should be on UFC Belfast just so the five fighters that listen to this podcast that I mentioned will share out out the podcast. It's not my style. It never has been. We let other people deal with those sort of articles. I have got thoughts on who I think the top five fighters north and south are or best prospects off the top of my head. An amateur prospect that I really am looking forward to seeing fight again is a young guy called Paul Hughes. He trains under David Patterson in EFR. He's back from America after a summer away on a J1. Met him in the airport in July after UFC 200. And he has a couple of fights lined up now as well at the moment. Uh, Team Tars' own Paddy McGee is back competing fully in mixed martial arts. Has a lot of fights lined up. He's fighting in, uh, in Drogheda at the, the cage uh, Oh, Declan Ken is going to blow the lid now because I can't remember the name of his promotion, Sean. Cage Legacy, Norman Park and Decky Dalton. I think that's it. Um, But there are, there's there's guys up and down the the country and maybe at a a, a future episode that we're not pressed for time, we will will definitely get a a little bit more of it. We can surely get out of the top five. Reese McKee. No, I'm looking at amateurs here, sorry. Oh, the amateurs, is that what he said? Well, no, but that's who I'm thinking of. If you're looking uh, at no. the top five fighters from the yeah. north and the south, top five pro fighters in the north would be Philpot. Norman Park. So Philpot just asked the question so he'd give him a compliment. Yeah, exactly. I'm on to Alan. He's doing that all the time, Philpot, recently, and he's getting him as all the fucker. Yeah, bastard. <laughs> uh, Norman Park. Uh, but like, oh yeah, we'll name those guys. You know, I, I don't like doing that. Okay, here's... Let's, let's Reese McKee is fantastic. Reese McKee, I don't think we can put Norman Park into that because he's already been exactly because he's like been that. and gone. And okay. Philpot has had like Philpot has a title in Bama. Yeah, he does. Yeah, well, not, not a real title, but yeah, he's. A oh one. my God, are you trying to cause <laughs> arguments with how many people? Today? No, it's not Philpot. It's just the title itself. I like if oh, we've, I'm we've talked be about these, these titles by before. So many people in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Asking me about know. shit you've said on this podcast. I I like, look, it's Bama. I, it's it's no, it's not Bama. I don't know. It's just I hate. The, I hate. I like. There's nothing wrong with having a Bama title. Tom Lukumar is the Bama title. Like Tom Lukumar is the champion. How could Phil Pop be the champion as well? This Lanzel is bullshit. Is you know, it's nothing against Phil Pop. He's a very good fighter. You know, but it, it's oh, I hate that. It's it, me and me and belts don't get along anyway. But yeah, okay. Here's the top five fighters in North and South. Reese McKee, Dylan Took, Peter Queeley, Norma Park, Alan Philpott. There's five. That is. Who am I missing? I'm probably missing someone really good now, am I? Come on, Andrew. You're the Irish MMA expert. Well, Joe McColgan beat Peter Queeley. Oh, yeah. Joe McColgan as well. Okay, we put him in instead of Norman Park because Norman Park has kind of already been the OC himself. Okay, Alan, sorry that we didn't answer that question well at all. We will come back to it. Uh, yeah, I please don't abuse us because we forgot people. And also, I apologise for saying that the Bama Lanzel title is bullshit. 
but it is. There should be no title. Uh, Dustin Hayes would like me to do a Northern Irish accent, so I'm prepared for UFC Belfast. Very good. That's just her normal accent. What? That's just her normal accent. Do well. Here, uh, I, I'm going to pre, uh, pre-answer okay, your next question. Josh McGowan says, what's the most annoying thing about Irish MMA apart from Niall McGraw's accent? <laughs> Peter, Peter Carl's accent. There you go. Just to even it out. It's a try for Leinster. What is the most annoying thing in Irish MMA apart from that? You probably have lots of things. Have you? <laughs> uh, oh, that's I, I'm a separate my, podcast. My answer to that is going to be Andrew, Andrew McGann's timekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the yogurt and Chancho coming next week. Watch this space. I am. Um, I have multiple things that annoy me about Irish MMA, but they're all they're all stuff that you're kind of like, why are you letting that annoy you? You know, that sort of thing. It's the yeah. little things that really get me, Sean. Mm-hmm. Stuff like... Leave it, Andrew. Leave it. Just leave it. You just heard the sigh there, didn't it's you? It's not worth it. It's not Do worth you know, it. like, everybody's dog and their mother was in the Helix that night when Conor McGregor fought Dave I Hill. There. I wasn't even watching. Do you know what I mean? And that's the thing. I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're irrelevant. Do you know what I mean? You crop those details out just like that, Sean. Do you know what I mean? You see through what people are talking about. I like. You can tell when somebody's spoofing. Do you know what I mean? It's the biggest thing that you can see, you can see it an absolute mile away, and there's more and more of it popping up. But they don't realize that it's not. This isn't a lucrative business. Lucrative. Do you know what I mean? Like Irish MMA is like there's Andy Ryan. Andy Ryan lost. A lot of money to do the last battle zone show by all the health and safety standards. Do you know that sort of way? He lost money on that. He did it so his fighters could get fights, and he's a promoter himself. Do you know? But here, get onto that. Uh, get onto that Kieran Malone question. Let's answer that one next. Kieran Malone. I, uh, he asked about, and Sean Betts asked about it as well. They asked about the A. I think it's a, is it ABC ACB oh, forty seven this we'll weekend. Get onto that now in two seconds. Okay. Okay. Because there is one or much one one or two more. Here's a question from Bake Gleason. Should we all shut the fuck up about her cut? We don't do it half as much with the likes of McGregor. We do with McGregor a lot. And we shouldn't shut the fuck up because it's dangerous. And it's gonna get someone hurt. And I said it earlier on, it, it should be for more than just Cyborg. But she's you know, you need that one prime example as well to make it, you know, to to illuminate the problem. There you That's go. Daniel Bradley said, how impressively does Norman Park need to win on Saturday to get the card, the call to fight on the Belfast card? Norman Park is unlikely to get the call to fight on the Belfast card, I think. He is more fights signed after this. And I think Norman would be gearing towards a 2017 return to the UFC, maybe not a 2016. Although if the Belfast card came around, it would be hard to turn down. But as you alluded to Daniel in your second question, I actually think Alan Philpott 3-1 and one in his last year. Do you know what I mean? There's a good shot that Philpot could be on that Belfast card. But it, there has to be someone from Northern Ireland on that card, like. Has to be. Hmm. I agree. Um quick question for you, Sean, before we go. Two quick ones here. If Cage Warriors could sign any three Bama fighters, oh. who would they sign? And which three should Bama try and take from Cage Warriors? Uh Tom Ducanois. Just Red swap Zara. Duke and Watt and Pimblet. 
Tom Duck and Wah, Reds are, and uh, the Bear Jew. And then the other way around, it'd be Pimblet, Fish Gold, and who else is in Gedgers at the moment? I can't think. There hasn't been that many Gedgers fights. No, I don't know if Lewis Long has signed with them or not, but I'd like to see Lewis Long and Bama. Tommy Quinn would have been signed with them in the past as well. Yeah. Oh, Ryan Roddy is signed with Oh, yeah, Ryan Roddy's at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, Let's have some ABC chat. Okay. This weekend, yeah. ACB Absolute Championship Burkut. Is that right? Yes, Braveheart. They're doing a massive show in Scotland. Very good show. In the SSE Hydro. For those that don't know, that is where the UFC Glasgow event was last Mm -hmm. year. Robert Whiteford is main eventing against Kevin Petish. P-E-T-S-H-E. Saul Rogers is fighting Michael Adelina. Mm -hmm. Michelle Adelina, I don't know. Andrew Fisher versus Norman Park. Great fight. Danny Mitchell versus Jake Bostwick, which is also a great, great fight. fight Ed or Ed Arthur is fighting against Brent Crawley. Kieran Malone, friend of the Severe MMA podcast, getting ready for the big of, biggest fight of his that life. That is a huge fight. John McGuire, John Gypsy Jitsu McGuire against the hater, Kieran Malone. We'll be looking forward to that one. Is there a live stream available, Sean? I don't know, possibly. James Brum is on that card as well. Which yeah, James Brum is fighting on it. Yeah. Lee Chadwick, who fought Chris Fields years ago as well, is also uh, further down the card. And pretty good, explain, pretty good card. explain yeah. to me why this promotion are putting the show on in Scotland. Do you know anything about them? I don't know. Is this ACB? This is the, this the is Russian the lads, isn't it? That's Steve, yeah. So yeah. Burkut also have a Brazil... Well, okay, Burkut is a place. But I'm just going to put it in. If you search Burkut BJJ, they've had events in the past where they've like flown the top guys over. Yeah. Do you know that sort of way? Like Gal- Galv- shops, These boys must have money behind them. Yeah, maybe they do. Like, yeah. but um, it's, it's very unusual. You see a card like that can go up with a cage or a big Bama card like that and have just as good a, a talent on them. But this is really, really good. It's a great card. Um, you know, there's as you say, Whiteford, Rogers. Uh, Norman Park, Fisher, Danny Mitchell, Ed Arthur, James Rum, and that's before. I think the be- I think that Kieran Malone, John McGuire fight is the, the best fight on it, to be honest. And I, you know, it's a great card. So if you're in Glasgow, head down along, have a exactly. look at it. Exactly. And I am uh, just one thing we'll say. Hopefully, Sean, this could be the Kickstarter or the catalyst of. Uh... Do you know there were? It could be the start of the sport in Scotland, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. They had the UFC Glasgow event. Now they've got this an independent, similar to what we had with Bama in the three arena. And look how many people now have gone to Bama since. Yeah. Do you know that sort of way? This could be a really good thing for the growth of the sport in Scotland. I hope the card goes very well. I will definitely check it out when I get home from work on uh, Saturday night. Hopefully there's a stream up on uh, a free stream up. We better get a, We better get a shout out from Kieran Malone as well. Yeah, in the cage better. afterwards. Are, are, are Sean and Steve going to be there, I wonder? I believe so, yes. Oh, uh, we, better, we better get a shout-out in that interview beforehand yeah. or after. Come on, better get one. Yeah, In the cage as well, if he wins, like, come on. The power of the Severe May podcast is by name. Give give that man a follow on Twitter. Give him an old shout-out. He's fighting John McGuire. Get, get behind him, Severe May podcast. fight of his life, fighting out of the, uh, the grip He's, house and higher level mixed martial arts, James Doolan and the Dinky Ninjas. Another friend of the podcast. He was over with... Uh, 
Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray, yeah. So there we go, Sean. Exactly. We both said there we go at the same time. Jinx. Oh. What? Hello? Andrew? Where are you? Okay, since you said my name, you unjinxed me. But since you jinxed me, I couldn't talk. Oh, let's be having you. So... (laughs) Delia Smith. (laughs) Where are you? Oh god! Outstanding. So another episode of the Severe Mid Podcast in the books. Laboured through those questions a little bit. Definitely well, not going to yeah. lie about that. The fatigue is hitting in. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode. We certainly did. The sun is setting here in Dundalk, Sean. My room is currently being blinded by the sun because uh, we're getting to that stage now where it's going to be dark by seven o'clock in the evenings. Summer is well and truly past us. There's no more stretches in the evenings. It's bitter cold out. There's frost out. Any sort of, no drying. I'm trying to think of any other Irish colloquialisms about the weather. Yeah, the evenings are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> there we go, yeah. RTE News, weather report tonight. <laughs> Sean Sheehan in Limerick. Ah, uh, here. The you weather's fucked, fuck, boys. See you Take later. Take in the washing. Don't leave the washing out. <laughs> Take a clean and put the car in the garage. Jesus. Bring the oil, man, because the central heating's gone out. i you. Get it. <laughs> Link Callor there. Get 450. Callor's gas, is it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who gives oil. Oh, anyway. my God. He's at Sean Sheehan BA on Twitter. Oh. I am at Andrew McGatton underscore. <clears throat> Sean, guess That's what I got mean? today off my mum. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. So she was on holidays. And yeah. I had an aftershave a couple of years ago that I was truly in love with. Yeah. Right? It was Armani Code. But it was mm. a sport version. Yeah. Have one. A friend. Do you? Yeah. I completed it, mate. Uh, but my, uh, <laughs> there are no more weights. <laughs> my uh, my mate got a bottle of it for the first time the other day, and I didn't know it was still a thing. I thought that discontinued it. Yeah. My man brought me home one from the airport. I'm just about to spray some now. Nice. Can you smell it? I can smell it, yeah. It smells nice, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm actually a bit sad as well. I have Hugo Boss for years, and it's an old Hugo Boss. It's not the shit new ones. Hugo Boss. And it's almost gone. It's about 12 years old. It's a, How is it still uh, going? It's still 20. I have loads. I have, I'm looking at my thing here. I have about, I'd say about 30 different aftershaves. Just uh, from Christmases? I mean, just, yeah, from my, my sister goes to Lanzarote all the time and she always bring me back an aftershave and ah. things like that. Years. They're there for years. So. Excellent. Well, there's another episode in the book. I definitely enjoyed it. Hopefully you listening at home enjoyed it as well. We will be back next week to discuss everything that's happened in the last seven days or approximately 156 hours of the mixed martial arts world. Am I right in saying that? I don't know. I think I'm close enough to be honest. If you want to get in touch with us, please do send a question throughout the week at Severe MMA Pod. If we favour it, there's a good chance it's gone into the draw to be seen by next week's questions and we may even answer it. And also remember, send us, retweet this tweet. Retweet our podcast tweet. It's going to be pinned on the Severe MMA podcast page and everybody that retweets it between release and the first fight on Saturday night at the next UFC card and we will enter your name into a draw to win a free Severe MMA t-shirt. Those that are already entered through iTunes, your name is already in the draw, so fear not, fret not. But if you want to go on and leave a review on iTunes as well, then that is perfectly okay with us too. Sean Sheehan. Yeah, that's, that's about it. Check out my melody. My check one too. Thanks everyone for listening. Until then, we'll see you all next Tuesday.